Hey guys, welcome back to the On The Track podcast, your favourite motorsport podcast where we talk about everything from Formula 1 to the Porsche Carrera Cup and literally everything in between. And today we're talking about, well, supercars, Formula E, and then a special mention to an awesome woman, Jess Hawkins, and get into what she recently did with Aston Martin Formula 1 team. But I guess we'll start it off with supercars. Just a quick little chat because in a matter of three days, the Bathurst 1000 will begin. Now, if you are not a Supercars fanatic or from Down Under, you may not know what it is, but it is our most iconic race of the calendar, of the season, of the year, because it takes place at Mount Panorama in Bathurst, and it's an amazing track, as well as a scary, you have to be some kind of crazy to compete in it and do it. Um and it is a, yeah, it's a milestone and a really iconic uh, event for the supercars calendar. And you know what? Just Australian motorsport in general. I mean, sometimes you also have international categories come down and join the uh, weekend because it's just that iconic and that great. But yeah, so it's coming up. Um, if you don't know, supercars used to be very much a Holden versus... Um, how I've forgotten the second branding. Holden versus the other one. See, it's it doesn't even matter now. Um, but now it is Mustangs and <laughs> Mustangs versus Camaros. Yeah. Oh, Fords. They're still in it. But yeah, it used to be Holden versus Ford, and it used to be a big Australian debate. Um, if you don't know what my stance on it, well, I wore a Ford sweatshirt in one of these. But if you're listening, I am Ford because I love the Mustangs, which is great now because now it is Camaros versus Mustangs. So I'm on the Mustang side. Um, but yeah, Bathurst is special because it's called the Bathurst 1000 because it's a thousand kilometer race, which means there's 161 laps. It is long. It's like five hours or something. Uh, you know what? That could be a complete lie. It is hours and hours. Yeah. But uh, don't worry, it's not done by one driver. There are two drivers, so there's co-drivers, exactly. It is our version of Le Mans, but mini. Uh, but yeah. Oh, four hours. <laughs> yeah, so it's our, like, there's two teammates. Um, and yeah, they take turns. And it's really great. It's also a great race because when they have, it's not the only co-driving race they have in the season, but when they have them, it's really special because what you'll see is you'll still have the same amount of cars on the grid, but then you have an extra driver, which means that all of a sudden they'll need like say 25 other drivers to pick out from anywhere else basically to come and join the main super drive drivers. So, and it's literally that. So you have all these say supercars drivers that retired years ago, come back for these races because they become a co-driver. Um, and you have champions from years back come back and do this because they're not full-time anymore, but they'll join on. And you have ones from other categories. Sometimes they get pulled from younger ones so like super two which is basically the equivalent of formula two they'll come up and it's great to see who they bring on um i guess a special one that i have some investment in i guess is simona de silvestro who is a female driver who is was a full-time supercars driver for like two seasons i believe or maybe it was one and was also a formula e driver or reserve driver um a while back she is back uh, she's been gone for a bit. She's Swiss and she's coming back for the Bathurst 1000, which is going to be great. But it's really interesting, yeah, because you get to see all these mixes of people that have been gone for ages come back and then, yeah, it, it gets exciting. And then it's Bathurst. Bathurst, there can be chaos too. And obviously it being so long, it doesn't just get done in the first couple of laps, does it? 
But yeah, so yeah. basically that's my little shout out to Supercars and this special event. So if you have the chance, definitely tune in. Last year's winners were Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander. And have we talked about one of them before? Yes. SVG oh. was the amazing man that did his NASCAR debut and won the race. So talented, talented. He is on the grid. He will be. Um, whether he'll win it or not, that's dependent. But he did win it last year. And then obviously his co-driver uh, was Garth Tander, who I will never forget because I grew up in a household where my mother was possibly in love with Garth Tander. And that was her driver. So, uh, yeah, she would have been happy for that one. But, yes, so definitely catch it if you can. We're on the other side of the world. So time zones might be it, but it's a long race. So who knows? Maybe we'll be able to catch some of it. But I guess that's us done with, like, cars, you know, normal general cars that have a roof. So back to single-seaters, you know, like the weird ones. Uh, Formula E, we have... Um, most of the grids confirmed for 2024, or what is it, the 2023 slash 2024 season, uh, season 10, let's put it that. Like, this is what I think everyone, someone was saying to make a Formula One make that it's been the first season in a lot of people's memory, and people may have forgotten ones where the drivers just said the same. Like, every single team kept their drivers from the year before, whereas Everyone was kind of, there was a couple of staffing changes, but driver-wise there wasn't. Um, whereas Formula E really have been silly seasoning it up. And we're out of silly season technically now, and they're still going. Yeah, yeah, no, it has changed up quite a lot. You, There are mostly, like, there's at least like 60 or 70% of the grid staying, but there's like maybe 40% of the same, uh, of the grid staying in the same team they were in. So... There's a lot of switching around and there are some new faces and it's going to be interesting. Some a little bit shocking, but also not when you think about it. Uh, but I guess we should go straight into it. We've mentioned some of yeah, these. Yeah, we've mentioned some of them before, but at least now we have co- complete confirmation. There are literally only four seats we don't know about. So we'll touch on those when we find confirmation. So I guess we have Nissan and that is Sasha Fenetraz and Oliver Rowland. Um, we've spoken about this. We saw Oliver... Oh former E and should have guessed it because he was up in front of the Nissan garage um but so happy for that um and I'm very happy because Sasha Fenichaz is my tired favorite driver so I'm happy that he's staying on and Nissan he had some moments and then we have Andretti which is Dennis and Norman Natto now Jake Dennis obviously our um championship winner champion yep and then we have Norman Natto who um I was at Nissan and partnering with Sasha Fenetra, so he's one that's moved over. Now, was that a surprise, yeah. Sav, for you? I think for me, it was one of those things where it was, Roland will be racing for Nissan, and then Andretti was like, well, they said Nasso, like, will no longer be racing um, for Nissan, and we were like, okay. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know if I was expecting Andretti. I think I've always found it more difficult with Formula 8. Like, there's a couple, like, Cassidy we can kind of be like oh yeah we kind of knew what was happening there and um there was Sam Bird once I knew he wasn't staying with Jag McLaren wasn't that surprising but more generally I find it more difficult to predict where drivers going in Formula E than I do in some other series um so I wasn't like oh my god shock but I was a bit like oh fair enough yeah I think that's yeah. where he's going. Yeah, I think it's because I feel like um, 
with Formula One, you have like a tier system of uh, which like uh, teams are better than others, which ones will take the better drivers or which ones are more likely to take rookies. And then you yeah. also think was they're less forgiving, whereas Formula E, it's most of the cars are pretty much the same standard. You obviously have some that are probably a bit lower than the others, but you don't have a standout. And they are, in my head, more forgiving. I was a little bit surprised with Norman, just because, obviously, Andretti, Jake literally won the title with them. So, in yeah. your opinion, you would think they were the best team. And I didn't feel like I saw enough of Norman for him to, like, have gone to there. But, again, it's Formula E is kind of literally just all the spots are up for grabs for anyone, I believe, in my yeah. head. I didn't have that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you've touched on it. Then we have Envision, who, which is Franz and Buemi. So we knew Cassidy was going to move from there. That was pretty obvious going into last round. Everyone knew Franz was with Envision the year prior to this year season. Yeah, went to Cupra, had a terrible time, has come back. So Franz is back. You know what? That makes mm. so much sense. And Buemi is staying, staying um, at Envision. So I think that's a good lineup. Every time someone says Bremi, like, under the sea, gets stuck in my head. Like, anytime someone has the name Sebastian, I just think of the crap. <laughs> so, like, under the sea, stuck in my head. <laughs> Fun little side note for you there. That's what you were going to say. When I hear Bremi, I thought you were just going to go back to London and be like, anytime I have Bremi, no, And then you said Sebastian, and I was like, oh, Vettel? No, no, no. Crab. Crab. It's the same as Vettel. And Jameson says Vettel, like, under the sea in my head. Um. Anyway, Neo. Yeah, three, three, three. One of the only ones to stick with literally the same lineup of Dan Tictum and Sergio Sete Camara, which I mean, yeah, they kind of both did their piece. Dan had his moments. He actually was up there. I mean, there's one race where he went from like sixth to second, I believe, in the first corner. He just went, no, nah, I'm going on the inside while you all go around the outside or the other way around. Um, Sergio, I think, I think, I think, I think it's with Tictum. It's one of those where. Obviously, prior to him being athlete, there was a lot of discussions about his attitude, you'd probably call it. like. But I think he's a bit like Max, where in the right environment, it works. So although you'll hear radios of them shouting, swearing, being irritated at the world, their passion for it and their drive for it means they'll often make moves that you go, oh, didn't think they were going to go for that. Yeah. And it was sort of, we were saying about like FE when we went to watch, it was Tickton knew we had to keep his place for them to either remain or gain the next place up in the constructors. And if you had faith in anyone to do that, it was going to be Tickton because you knew like it's chucking it down, this man cannot see, but he's going to keep driving like he has full vision. Yeah. Which you could debate whether that's the safest <laughs> thing in the world, but you cannot knock the man's passion for racing. Oh, definitely. And I think you, like you said it right about depending like if you're in the right place, because Neo feels like a good team for him as well, being the fact that they aren't a big team. They're not a massive team. Their marketing isn't that big either. So it's like him being him. He's always going to be Dan Tictum. He may not always say exactly like he, he's probably better than he was before, but he is still the same guy. And you can't knock him for being because these days it's not like it hurts anyone. It's just he's a bit grouchy on the radio, says some things that are a bit out of touch, but it's like, yeah, OK, whatever. But that is not to do it at because the team don't care. They don't have bad publicity. They don't have a PR team or reputation that they need to uphold. They don't care. They are kind of just there. 
Um, so that's yeah, it's perfect. And then, like I said, Sergio, I just honestly, I guess it was his first year, so I'm assuming it's you know he gets that year to settle in. Hopefully, we'll see more of him this year because it didn't really see much. Um, but then we talked about McLaren. So Hughes is staying on. Great. He did amazing in Wally. The races were a little bit air, but maybe that's more to do with the car rather than um, the driver. But also, it's a lot easier to go full out than in a race where you have to manage um, like attack modes and energy and things like that. And especially coming from single seaters, which all you have to really worry about are tyres. Um, yeah. So, and then we have Bird, obviously you mentioned left Jag, which felt weird, but you know what, McLaren, it looks like it suits him. I'm excited. Let's go. I like, the, I think the pairing, I mean, as people, I think the pairing works. I've not seen them drive together, obviously. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how I think with Hughes, I just, every time I think about him, I remember him as a rookie coming in and like talking to the drivers after he was like, this is the most difficult series I've ever driven in. He was like, there's so much to think about. I'm so tired. <laughs> I just, I think a lot underestimate because you get a lot of the formula, obviously the cars themselves don't make much noise other than that like sort of high pitch zing type noise. Or when they crunch into each other. Or oh, yeah, that horrible plasticky noise. Um, so I don't think, I think people underestimate how much it takes even though every driver comes out like sweating buckets. But I just remember him coming out being like, just almost in shock at how much it took out of him, like mentally and physically. But yeah, I always think about that when I, his face flashes up with up somewhere so yeah I, I think like, yeah like the physicality of these cars because they are street circuits they are continuously turning the way their wheels go like it's like it's like monaco hairpin like 500 times so yeah, yeah no, they're hard whenever someone tries to talk down on fe or say that formula e is so like it's just a single seater race that's why i always used to get annoyed when people said nick like wasn't a rookie coming to f1 i'm like do you not know how different formula e's to formula one is this is completely different he is a rookie and i don't care how old he is he is a rookie um but yeah anyway side rant uh, moving on maserati uh gunter and our maxi boy is staying yay love that happy which means mortara is out but the surprise entry which honestly i didn't even think about but i wasn't clued up Darula is now. I do. Did I have seen it coming? Possibly, probably. I don't know. Maybe I missed all the signs. But I remember seeing that. I opened it up and I was like, "That's not a face that I normally see in that jumper." <laughs> and again, don't get me wrong. I knew like Max was getting a new teammate, but I was like, "It just threw me." I was like, oh, "I was convinced you were an F two driver." Yeah, yeah. I just... <laughs> but no, I completely same. Like I. Obviously, if you don't know, context, Daruvla is a Formula 2 driver. Um, I say Formula 2. He's been in F2 for, I believe, two, maybe three years. He was also a Red Bull junior driver. But I believe he was um, he was either dropped this year or, from what I've heard, he had an ultimatum this year, which was basically Marco going, you have to win it this year or that's it, you're out. Um, and him being a Red Bull junior driver with all the other talent pool, he's never been one that you've thought, okay, he's going to ever take a Red Bull seat. At least that's not what I've ever thought from what I've watched. He's good, but he's never been top one or two of the Red Bull junior drivers. So it didn't seem like that was ever um, an avenue. So after I dwelled the fact that, oh, he's here, I kind of thought about it more and I went, you know what, it kind of makes sense that former E would be his route because um, he couldn't do F2 again. He couldn't, and there was no F1 seat for him. It's, I think the thing is, it's one of those things where I could not have guessed it, but now being presented with it, it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. if someone went, 
who's going to be Max's driving partner? I was never going to be like, oh, do you remember this F2 driver? Like, yeah, no, for sure. I didn't see the signs at all. I mean, I, like I said, I wasn't exactly looking out for them, but I didn't see any the commentators weren't talking about anything during the F2 season and being like, oh, there are links to this or that. He wasn't lighting anything up in the F2 season either, which is probably why he's gone to FE because there is no F1 room. But yeah, no, definitely not. I think there were definitely other people that were probably linked for an F2 seat, one being another person that starts with D and that Drugovic. Uh, but whether that would have been Maserati, who knows? But yeah, so we've got an F2 driver. So again, we are getting the whole thing of Formula E is taking the people that Formula One can't accept just because numbers wise. Um, but yeah, so that's Maserati's lineup. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, but then another, I think the most interesting lineup. Oh no, we'll save that. We'll go. We have DS Penske. They are quite boring. They are staying with the exact same lineup as well, and that is Van Dorn and Vern and. I'm not surprised. Both great drivers. Consistency. Sav, you must love it. Ah, uh, uh, no words. <laughs> I I went to speak and nothing came out then. You know, your brain just... Well, that's kind of how that lineup feels because it's just like there. It's like there is not much else you can say. It's like, yeah, cool. Not surprised. Also would like a change, but also okay with no change. It honestly, when I saw that come up, I didn't care. I kind of like I'm had cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. I guess the complete one the most interesting one, Mahindra. Okay, so Mahindra. When, when, when were those contracts signed? When were they drawn up? Because we were with Nick being cut from F1. And then next thing I know, well, not next thing I know, time has passed, but my life runs really quickly. Next thing I you know, it's Hmm. You weren't in this series a minute ago. Yeah. You, you so... won a few series ago, but then also a few series ago. Not that long ago. And now you're back. Hello. Yeah. Mahindra has Nick DeFries is back on the FE grid and he'll be partnering with Mortara. And Mortara was obviously at Maserati, which is a little bit of a downgrade from what you've seen with Mahindra doing. I'm not surprised that they've lost their two drivers or got rid of their two drivers. They had I believe it was Oliver Rowland and then that happened where he was dropped or he left a couple of races. So then they had Roberto Murphy and he was like a reserve driver kind of thing. He came in, he did the best with what he got, but it just wasn't great. Um, but then they had uh, Degrassi and honestly, I'm not surprised he's not there because it wasn't great and he would have wanted more. Let's be real. I yeah. think that was probably more of a his option than um, Mahindra, which makes me think of where he would be going, which is the last four seats, but we'll get to there. Um, so yeah, it's Nick DeFries and Mortara. Mortara, I mean, I'm surprised he's left Maserati. I thought he would have stuck around. I thought they were happy with it, but yeah, I don't know what. I think the thing is, is because it's not again sort of similar to what I was saying about Porsche before. There's not a lot of leaking of information, like Formula One. Like when they go, this driver's leaving. There's a lot of this is why. Whereas with Formula E, there's less of that. It's just who's leaving. Okay. Literally, that you don't find out. What's like the thing with Nick? That's big news. Nick DeFries, Formula E, goes to F1, gets cut halfway through the season, is back. And literally all we found out about it was Nick posted, obviously, him um, not, like, after he got dropped, we had to wait a while before he came out with a post being, hey, I've taken some time. Um, and yeah. then he came back and then was like, um, oh, by the way, I'm going to Harvard. And that was a post that we finally got after a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden we got a post 
a couple of weeks later being like, also at Mahindra. And it was like, oh, yeah. okay. I read something about him doing a business course there rather than, I think everyone thought he was going to like a four-year degree, but apparently he just went there to do a business course. Well, that's, yeah, there's, like, it's the same thing. I believe Latifi said he was doing Harvard as well or something like that, but it's not the same thing because yeah. it doesn't matter how, like, you can't just get in on a whim. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised Latifi has enough money to probably go do four-year degree. But, yeah, like, Nick, these are racing drivers. They barely finished school. They're not getting into Harvard, let's be real. Okay, so that business course is what he's doing um but yeah so that's i mean it was great to see i'm so happy i can't wait to see nick do like get back behind the wheel and you know what formula e have graciously accepted him before when f1 didn't and they'll do it again so looking forward to it um and then we have uh porsche both unknown at the moment so that's andre lotterer used to be and who's the other porsche driver uh girl line they were our two Porsches. I was like, I've got, I've got pictures of them. <laughs> so, but. at the moment, it's unknown. So, we don't know if they've both been kept. Oh, no, no. Lotra has definitely been dropped, I believe. Um, right. But Look. we haven't heard anything about Verline. So, we don't know if he's been dropped or staying. Lotra is a little bit, eh. Um, so, that'll be interesting. That's some good ones. Um, good seats, I believe, for anyone coming aboard. And then the last one we have Cupra with a late edition. This one I didn't realize. Degrassi is in Cupra. Oh, yeah, in the last forty-eight hours. Oh, that explains. Look at that. You know what? I'm surprised. I thought Degrassi would have taken one of those Porsche seats. Cupra's not the t- from what happened. What this season was, Cupra's not the team you want to go to, and especially if you're Degrassi who started the bloody category and expects more but i guess maybe he'll be able to help them up or cooper's got something up their sleeve for season 10 but it'll be interesting to see okay yeah i think it'll be i think this whole season will be interesting i quite like it when there's a fair bit of shake up because you'll then see not only will you see driver dynamics changing because obviously some drivers will go from being not they have a first and second driver, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you'll have one driver that's used to being like, this is what I need from the car, and they go, okay, we'll get that done. Yeah. So maybe a team that goes, oh, well, actually, or it might take them a while to, if you've been with a team four years, you know the car, you know the team, you know the expectations, you know the situation, you know how the car drives, you know what changes they're making. And Whereas getting into a new car, you need to kind of find some will take it like a duck to water, 100%, but others might take a little bit of time to find their feet within the team, within the car, within it all. So especially ones coming in, like De Vries has obviously raced in Formula E before and won a championship, but I do quite enjoy Like, so, I mean, flitting between cars, like road cars is one thing, to flip between a hybrid car and a well, hybrid fueled car and a completely electric car, different width, different height, different dynamics, different number of, like, just so much different going on. Um, also, such a different team, because Mercedes was such a good team when they came on, and Mahindra, from the what's been happening, not up there. Um, I still will say, I guess Degrassi, I feel like he's switched around a lot he, in the last few years. He's been in a number of teams. He's um, he's a little bit of a, I can't say that word. <laughs> Hmm? It's a bit of window shopping. It's just so much options. 
that's a nicer way to put it that is exactly what it is but yeah he's been around so maybe <laughs> he's trying to find the one that suits him and maybe this will be it and he'll help the team but yeah that is the end of former e catch-ups like i said there's about three seats now that we don't know but we will obviously fill you in as soon as we know who knows maybe we missed one but it's been like boom 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 here's your announcements here's your announcements but also if you miss it oh well because it's not that big of a news especially with how hectic f1 has been i feel like formula e has taken a little bit of a like it's just been un- down, mm. <laughs> if you, you can't keep track of the announcements you'll find out in january when racing starts and you go oh okay so that's where art makes sense but yeah i guess so to finish it off we'll go back to f1 because like i said it's been a big few weeks but I would say one of the biggest things um, has been Jess Hawkins, who, if you don't know, female racing driver. She has done a number of things. I believe she's done stunt driving. She was in W Series. And she then... I didn't notice, so I met her when I went to um, an event in Goodwood. In Goodwood or Touring Cars. She was around. Lucky, lucky girl. Um, And then she was brought on by Aston Martin as their... An ambassador, I believe it started with. Um, and then she's continued to be still an ambassador, but take on a bit of like sim roles behind the scenes, I believe, or at least she's been having a chance on the sim. I don't think she has actually any development to the current cars. Um, but it was basically it got announced that she and Felipe Drogovic got to test the 2021, I believe, um, Aston Martin F1 car, which makes her the first female to drive an F1 car since Susie Wolf did in 2014, I believe. I five years since the last one got into one. So what we now 2018, that's it. Yeah, not 2014. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's amazing. I am so happy because I will say I was one of those that was a little bit wary about Aston Martin bringing her on and making her an ambassador I mean it was great like don't get me wrong it was always great but it was always kind of the thing it's a little bit for show she is still a driver but she's being used as a bit of a media prop um as well as by a woman so there was a bit of worry but then to find out that over the last like year she's been doing sim work obviously not for the car this year's car but her own kind of sim work and then getting to test this car I mean, yes, it's not racing. It's not actually the new car. But you know how many people get to drive an F1 car in their life? Not even the 1% get to do that. That's not something you can actually pay for. You have to be allowed to do it. Like she's in like the 0.0001% of the population now that has been able to drive an F1 car. So it's it's so special. I think as well, like, sort of going back to the news about being used as a prop, like, I think as women and women of colour as well, like, the amount of times, like, that people, like, women are put and people of colour are put in as, like, figureheads and they're not used for just their intended purpose, which is their skill and their benefit. Um, So it's actually nice to see, okay, well, we're not just being like, look, we have a woman. Yeah. Um, they're actually allowing her to be in the process and they wouldn't do it and they wouldn't risk it if they didn't think she was competent enough I think that's what people forget is their liability when it comes to the car her life and their own business yeah. they're not going to risk putting someone in the car who's going to crash out in 30 seconds um, 
putting the car at risk, the marshals at risk, her life at risk, their liability at risk. No one wins from doing that. So I think a lot of comments I've seen been, oh, that's putting her in the car. What her times? What was that? What her time? I would love to see anyone reel off Lewis's time. And he's a seven time world champion. I cannot tell you what times he's doing testing. Because quite like so being like the wire times i saw someone be like quicker than yours <laughs> yeah it will always be well it's yeah it's like definitely quicker than yours definitely quicker than you could even imagine because let's be real um because yeah on the same day like drogovic was also testing so to add to like reasons why they would do obviously liability and all that but like drogovic is their reserve driver and he's probably someone they're holding out for in the future so these testing days are very important for drogovic so why would they put someone in the car who may crash it and then ruin their actual like driver's day of having testing so yeah no it's it was it was so good i heard her do an interview and like her voice and like it it is a dream come true even like let's be real will she ever be an f1 no and that's not because talent wise like her age like it's just past that time anyway but she can have a role in an f1 team reserve drivers development driver test driver whatever those can be anywhere and from anywhere um but just getting that experience especially and i think it's really great because obviously i know i said i was a bit doubtful when aston brought her on and she didn't do anything for a while except being an ambassador but then when you look at it it's good they didn't just chuck her in a car the second week because then she may have been unprepared because what I've heard is that she's been doing sim tests before they put her out on track which is good because I hate to say it but if she had gone out and crashed it would have been 10 times worse and the thing is it's okay to crash it is okay to crash every driver on that grid has crashed multiple times but when you're a woman you can't do anything badly without it and it being like because of your gender yeah so i'm very happy that she got to do that and live her dreams i was close to crying with her i'm surprised she didn't like burst out on tears in the interview but i think she would have gone and done it afterwards but it's so good to see her retrieve uh, a life goal and a team give her the chance to because they know how much that means like i said driving an f1 car is literally something you cannot buy because of how dangerous and how skilled you need to be to handle one of those things um, but I guess yeah. the sad side to that is, yeah, the comments on all platforms of just doing it by men, because yes, all men, no, all the comments were bad ones were from men um, saying all those things when it's like, how dare you say that when Nicholas Latifi was on the grid for three years and before mm-hmm. like, oh, but he shouldn't have been anyway. Yeah. But the fact is he was allowed to be. Okay. He was allowed to be. And let and yet y'all made it into a joke and called him Go TV. So yes, I know it was a joke about him like being bad, but the fact is, those comments were nicer than what Jess Hawkins was getting on a test, and she didn't even crash the car. You know, like it's just yeah, it the the comments were just disgusting, and it was just a test, which is really annoying because like that's what people need to get better. She didn't get a race. Get money. I know she didn't get like a, a seat. She didn't get anything that could like be of you to be concerned. She literally got a test, which is the bare minimum people get these days. What racing drivers need are test days because that's how you practice. And now you're saying a woman can't even practice? What? Uh, but yeah, it was 
it was sad because those are the cases where, you know, like we feel like we're taking so many steps forward. F1 Academy, just getting there. Susie Wolf doing all this stuff. And then it's like, oh, but then men in comments are still the same, you know? When I was at a point where I will know what misogyny was playing out and it's getting worse, I think access to social media, access to the internet is, especially indoctrinating younger boys, but it's facilitating a lot of behaviours that otherwise wouldn't necessarily be justified. I think, don't get me wrong, there was issues, many issues in sort of late 20th century and prior where you'd have locker room talk, but it meant that it was a kind of toxic environment that was in smaller pockets. Okay. Don't get me wrong, there were societal issues, but I think if it had remained in smaller pockets but societal attitudes changed, it would only take you calling out one person, you calling out a group of people, whereas now we're at a point where if the people around you call you out, go on the internet, someone will agree with you. Yeah, exactly, because it's like if... Pride in commenting, or she shouldn't have been in it, because someone else is like, yeah, I agree, she shouldn't be racing a car. Whereas if you'd said it to your mummy or sister, they would have been like, get that checked. Um, like, no, no, literally, yeah, you're completely right, because so, as long as one person comments it, someone else who may be like, they could even be 50-50 on their sexism <laughs> debates. And as soon as they see <laughs> one person with that, like, so stand out, because their comments are never like, oh, I don't think she should be doing that. It's She shouldn't be doing it. Like, I'm 100% confident that shouldn't be happening. All of a sudden, this person yeah. is just sitting on the fence and like, I don't know, they see this, they're like, you know what? You're right. That's what I needed to push me over to be also a sexist as well. And as it gets well. so dramatic. Like, like you said, it's never, oh, well, this surprised me. It's women shouldn't. It would be like one of just shouldn't be allowed to do it yeah I agree women shouldn't be allowed to do it do you know what why do we let women drive like and then it turns into yeah women can't park women can't drive and it's gone from one second like that's someone a minute ago, yeah someone went I don't like Jess Hawkins and now we're talking about taking women's right to drive away like, yeah literally it, it escalates into being a uh, like that's why I've, I mean I've always said it I've said it so many times it's like men can be bad at things and they're individualized it's like if yeah. if Lance Stroll is bad, it's Lance Stroll is bad. It's not even Canadians are bad, even though you've had Latifi and Lance both comment, and this yeah. is not what you're saying Canadians are. I know that. Both of them have been the means of their grids and supposedly the pay drivers that haven't. But it's not even Canadians are bad. I've never heard someone say Canadians shouldn't be F1 drivers. One woman doesn't do it. And it's like, it's not Jess is bad. It's not Australians are bad. It's women are bad. It's like, mm, mm. Yeah, Not even women racing drivers, just women, full stop. Yeah, it's like, oh, you can't drive? You don't deserve to vote. <laughs> this is another game. And there's comments being like, um, oh, this is why women should stay in the kitchen. And it's like, firstly, I know you think you're funny, but you're not, because you're the 97th person to say that in the last 20 minutes so you're not clever and you're not like nothing you're saying is very innovative but um I just find it amusing because I have no issue with people going oh well and I haven't looked at the times but say someone went oh um I was looking at the times and actually she's two and a half seconds slower a lap than Drogovic therefore out of the two of them I think he should be the reserve driver that's fine. I have no issue that whatsoever because you're wearing them up as drivers. Yeah. Being like, well, you can't drive because she's a woman, so she shouldn't be. Because someone else, I saw a podcast, a Dutch podcast, because someone translated it. 
And this dude was like, you're talking about her stature. Yuki's nose is like five foot nothing. Like, because they're thinking, oh, she's too small to drive the car. I'm sorry, George Russell's an anomaly. Like, racing drivers are notoriously small. Did you see Yuki and Nick standing next to each other? Like, I'm sorry? Like, Jess is... That's the one thing. I know we've already said, like, F1 cars are built for men. They are. But when it comes to height, that's one of the few things where it's like, okay, maybe (laughs) we'll have it. Um, But yeah, no, it's it's, it's disappointing. It is. But um, it's always going to happen. I'm just happy that Aston did it and then it's been done and people yeah. are calling out the crap in the comments and which yeah. is good obviously we have stand for it and it shows that there are things changing because like i said it is she may not have raced but the fact is she is still the first f1 woman to drive an f1 car since 2018 yeah. that means five years of no women not just participating in f1 no women to do a test drive a reserve drive a yeah any kind of session like that other than a race so tides are turning i can't wait i think we should end it on that note because it's a really nice uplifting go for the future <laughs> f1 academy is in two races it's going to be live broadcasted austin texas let's go woman i can't wait um we'll let's end it there i guess follow us on the socials at beyond the track podcast or at beyond the track pod um we've got a new one coming out soon and we'll catch you at the next one enjoy yeah.